Hi, and welcome to episode 64 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher at iPhone Life. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor at iPhone Life. Each week, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. This episode, we have an exciting lineup. We're going to be talking to you about back-to-school apps and gear for your iPhone, and also uh, talk about iPhone 8 rumors, since the, the Apple announcement's coming up really soon. We're all getting excited here, and there's been a lot of new rumors coming out about the iPhone 8 and a potential Apple Watch Series 3, so we'll be covering all of that this episode. First, we want to talk to you about our sponsor, Matthias. You can see we've got this keyboard here that uh, David's going to tell us about. All right. So one of the things I love to do is to bring you sponsors that specialize in one thing and just do it amazingly. And that's Matthias. They do keyboards and they do a great job. So what I've got here, this is a brand new product. It's a wireless Bluetooth keyboard uh, and a few things that are really awesome about it. First of all, it has a numeric keyboard. Uh, Apple just came out with one that has a numeric keyboard, uh, but this one, Matthias has been doing it for years. And so they have a numeric keyboard and a few things that are really great about it relative to Apple's new keyboard. Basically, the kind of what we've been calling this is the keyboard Apple should have made and a few reasons. First of all, what's brand new about it is it's backlit keys, mm. uh, which is really nice if you're if you're traveling and it's kind of a you know you're in a slightly dark area. It's really nice to have backlit keys. And what they did that was really clever was the reason why wireless keyboards aren't usually backlit is because it takes a lot of battery. So what they do is they have two batteries. So one battery is for the backlit keys, and that battery can last. I, I'll, I'll have to double check it, but I think it's 24 hours or something like that. You'd have to charge it. But they have a second battery for the actual keyboard that connects to your device, and that lasts for a year. You have to charge it once per year. Oh, wow. And so you can have, if you're traveling, you charge it up. You have backlit keys while you're traveling. And if the backlit key battery goes out, you still have this for a year. Now, to put that in contrast, Apple's keyboard lasts, I think it's three months. Yeah, that's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. So you have uh, a, a battery that lasts for a year. The other thing that they do is this syncs between four devices, mm-hmm. whereas Apple's keyboard syncs between one device. So you can yeah, use this. sync is important. It's really awesome because what you can do is you can use this for your iPhone, your iPad, and your laptop all uh, without having to repair. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So the... 24-hour battery, Do you is that like a, you just plug it in and it recharges or they you both, have to replace a battery? No, no, no. They both charge. Great question. They both charge at the back. You can see there's a little USB. It's a micro USB port. And so you charge them both at the same time. So basically, even though the keyboard battery lasts a year, if you're recharging the backlit battery frequently, you'll probably never... It'll last forever. Yeah. Right. But what's That's great cool. is you can use the backlit. When it dies, you can keep using your keyboard. And, yeah, I really like that. And... It's cheaper than Apple's Bluetooth keyboard. Oh wow! How so much is it? it's a yeah. uh, it's 139. 139. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't care about backlit, it's 99 dollars. So yeah. a little bit extra for the backlit, which I recommend. Uh, but if you don't care about the backlit, it's 99 dollars. Both variations are cheaper than Apple's variation. So really affordable keyboards, really high quality. They have uh it matches for each of the different laptops so we have the silver here but they have space gray and they have rose gold and all the other laptop colors that's cool awesome so if you're interested you can go to matthias it's spelled m-a-t-i-a-s dot c-a and we'll also link to it from our podcast so if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast we always link to all of our sponsors as well as anything we talk about Or we do our best. Sometimes we forget. (laughs) (laughs) We've been getting better, I think. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And also, we post any funny videos that we mention, so you Uh also want to check those out there. Um, So moving right along, we want to tell you about our tip this episode. Each week, we share with you a top tip from our Tip of the Day newsletter. Uh, Our Tip of the Day newsletter is a way that you can really learn to master your iPhone in just one minute each day. We send you a tip teaching you something cool you can do with your device. Um, so if you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you can sign up for that. 
In the spirit of our back to school episode, we are going to teach you how to track your teenager using <laughs> Find My Friends as our tip this week. So uh, Sarah has the most experience with this, <laughs> so she's going to tell us about how to do that. Um, well, first of all, I want to say I don't think you should stalk your kids without them knowing. Mm-hmm. Right. That seems yeah. reasonable. Um, I, I stalk my kids. stalk anyone without them knowing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think you should That's stalk fair. anyone, but your kids should know <laughs> that you're tracking their location. Um, mostly, I just use it, you know, I'm at work all day, and I want to know when my daughter has arrived home from school, or I want to know um, if she's, like, arrived at her after-school activity. So you can set um, in Find My Friends... Um, which you have to either have family sharing and location sharing enabled to do this. Um, You'll have the option when you set up family sharing, um, you can go into your app, the Find My Friends app, and check and see if you can see your child on there. If you can't, um, you need to sit down with them and maybe do some location sharing. But you open the Find My Friends app, which I actually keep in uh, my widget screen, and is that new with iOS 11 that you can keep in your widgets screen now? No, it's That's ever since there were widgets. Okay. You have to, if it's not there, you have to go scroll to the bottom of your widget screen and tap edit and then add it. Very cool. Um, and then there's a thing in the center. You can tap on your child and there'll be, um, it'll show you where they are. Mm-hmm. She's at home right now because it's summer vacation. And in the center, you can contact them and then there's a more option but there's notify me in the center, and then you can um, choose the next time your child's name leaves or arrives, and then it'll show their current location or your location, but you can also do other and then type in, say, their school location or the location of their sports practice. And then when they leave or arrive at that place, you'll receive a notification. Now you can't set it to regularly notify you of their movements, which, you know, if you forget, that's a little annoying, but I think on the whole that's better because I really don't think Apple should truly enable stalking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like... (laughs) Just moderate to light stalking. Well, (laughs) you know, technically she's supposed to text me when she arrives home from school or if she wants to go to a friend's house after school instead of going home, but you know, teenagers don't always remember these things, and so it's nice to be able to just check that. Mm-hmm. But she is aware that I, I do check up on her. <laughs> I don't, I really don't believe in just spying on your kids. Um, mm-hmm. But I have had to accept a certain amount of keeping track of where she is via her iPhone. So what are some of the different uses for this? I mean, clearly, you know, sometimes if you're a teenager, you're concerned about where they are, or late at night, you want to make sure they haven't left the house. But um, can it also work, I mean, do you also share your location with the teenager so they could know if they're, you're late to pick them up or something like that, then they can see yeah, it, it you're you know, on their way, I, your way or something? I mostly feel like it's fair that if I can track their location, they can track mine. And one time I had to run an errand during the workday in a, a town about 30 miles away, and I got this text like, what are you doing in that town? <laughs> um but, yeah, sometimes that's handy, you know, for them to know if I'm actually on my way or that kind of thing. To be honest, we don't use it that much. I mean, I share my location with you guys, too. Like, clearly mm-hmm. I'm not that concerned about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't really track you guys. <laughs> but sometimes when I'm tracking my teenager, I, I'm like, oh, look, Donna and David are at their houses. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I will say that... Um, that um, my girlfriend and I use this. So you don't, first of all, that the A, it doesn't need to be uh, family sharing. You can just right. use find my friend and be, you know, find my friend friends with the person. Uh, and so uh, this is a tricky one. We've talked about it before and I've heard some kind of horror stories of couples sharing location and then like if you have a relationship where uh, somebody might, um, I don't know, but like it's like it's a very it can feel invasive if you aren't 
in if you don't have a dynamic where it's comfortable. Let's if put it that way. You don't have strong boundaries and respect them yes. anyway. Although in that case, maybe you shouldn't be dating them anyway. Maybe you shouldn't, but you know, we don't want to give you advice where you shouldn't should and shouldn't date. But there's there's don't pros date and people cons- who stalk you. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna that's, just there we say go. That right okay, now. I think that's fair. Uh, but if you are comfortable doing this with your partner, uh, we found it to be really useful uh, because similar to this, it's like. If I'm meeting her for lunch, I can look and see if she's left her office yet to see if I'm meeting her there. Or like if I text her a question that I have and she's not answering, I can look and see like, is she at the gym? And that's why she's not answering, something like that. And so we have found it to be pretty useful, um, but I think it kind of depends on the relationship. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Yeah, so this is one, you know, you have to think a little bit about how you want to use it, but it mm-hmm. is useful. I did not realize that you could have notifications for when someone leaves a certain location, and I think that's really useful uh, for a teenager, you know, if you told them to stay at home and you want to make sure that they are and all of that. So um, iPhoneLife.com slash daily tips is where you can go to sign up to get tips like this every day. Real, uh, real quick, yeah, well, have you found that to be reliable, Sarah? Because I only tried it once, and it was this situation where I was meeting my girlfriend for lunch, and I wanted it to notify me when she left the office because I'm about mm. equal distance to the restaurant, and it didn't notify me, and then I was late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. um, I find that, for instance, when my daughter leaves the house, I don't really get a notification until she's about a block away. Okay. So, I mean, it takes a minute to kick in. Mm-hmm. For, because but it does re- it's not reliably a constant. Your iPhone's not like in constant like GPS tracking mode because um, that would be quite a battery drain. So, uh, you know, like there's it just sort of like updates your location at regular intervals. And if you happen to leave immediately after it has updated your location, you're not going to, you know, there's not going to be a notification mm-hmm. sent out until the next update. Mm-hmm. And yes, in a town as small as ours, it's like, if it doesn't send it right away, then it's not that useful for that use case. Because yeah. really, if you get it a couple blocks later, then she's already there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, if you really need like up to date, like instant information, maybe she could text you when she's leaving. She does. We, ha- <laughs> we have a plan, but that was non iPhone related plan <laughs> other than texting. So. So next we're going to talk to you about our iPhone Life Insider program. Um, Insider is our premium subscription where you get a video version of our daily tips as well as guides that teach you all kinds of things you can do with your iOS devices including your iPad, your Apple TV, uh, Apple Watch, and iPhone. We're working right now on our iOS 11 guide because as you know iOS 11 is coming out in a few weeks. And there's your phone is suddenly going to be able to do all these things that it couldn't before, and you're going to have to know how to take advantage of those features. So we're going to have a step-by-step guide walking you through how to do all of that. If you go to iphonelife.com insider, you can find out more about that program. Um, also, as part of our insider program, we uh, can answer all of your iOS-related questions. Sarah here, she answers our Ask an Editor questions. Um, And so each episode we like to share with you something one of our insiders has asked recently that she's helped out with. So Sarah, Um, take it away. This is a kind of small question, but I didn't really know the answer until I tried to figure out uh, how to answer their question. So I was, and I was pretty excited by the answer. So that's why I'm sharing it. So um, this is from a long-term reader. Um, And he says, I'm running the iOS 11 beta on my iPad Pro, and I can't find a way to switch to my Bluetooth earbuds without going to settings and then Bluetooth. And, you know, in iOS 10, he says he could just swipe up and make the change from there in his control center, um, but that in iOS 11, he isn't able to do that. Um, Well, yeah, they sort of changed what you can 3D touch in the control center. you know, you can, uh, but the, the thing that's cool is you don't need to like deal with the Bluetooth at all. Um, what you do is you swipe up for your control center and people, I don't think people will be able to see this on the video, but I'll show. So on the top right, you'll have your, uh, your media playback and there's this little teeny pulsing thing right mm. in the top right corner of that. And if you tap it, and now it's not working, although it's worked, you'll see all the different Bluetooth devices available to your, uh, for the audio, 
And so you just tap the one you want and, and you're done. Um, and another way to quickly do that if you don't even want to really bother with unlocking your device is um, just on the lock screen when you're playing some kind of media like music or whatever, it's not showing up because I'm recording a podcast and I'm not playing any music. They'll have that playback um, panel and there'll be a little uh, icon that you can tap and then same thing, you'll see all your Bluetooth things. But I didn't realize about that little pulsing icon in the top right of the media playback panel in the control center and it's really awesome. Every time I see the new iOS 11 control center, I, I haven't updated to beta yet. I'm always just a little bit cautious in doing that because early betas, we, you guys tend to have a, a few problems and I just haven't, <laughs> haven't gotten around to it. Uh, every time I see that new control center, I'm, I'm impressed. It, it looks so much more user-friendly than the current control center. I think the exception though is there's so many 3D touch things built into it that you kind of have to just know. You have to 3D touch like all the different sections in in your control center to figure it out. I mean, yeah. that's not a 3D touch thing. Actually, you can 3D touch it though. The, yeah, you can yeah. 3D touch the whole media playback thing and then it will mm. pop up bigger and mm -hmm. and there'll be this, you know, the full uh, Bluetooth like icon and there'll be yeah, a lot more options, but you don't even have to 3D touch it. Mm. But you should just 3D touch everything on your phone at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty much whenever I get a new operating system, I just sit there and just be like, what did they add? What did they add? You know? But I think the control center is my favorite iOS 11 update. I mean, I know Notes is super fancy now, and there's some social media uh, aspects to Apple Music. But just in terms of pure functionality, the control center is freaking hmm. awesome. Yeah, I, I like it a lot too. One just kind of bonus tip for you guys that is not iOS 11 related is one of my favorite 3D Touch tips is if you 3D Touch the settings app, it pulls up your most used settings and one of them is Bluetooth. So oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, and obviously so if sometimes you don't need to go to that, but sometimes if you're trying to set up a new Bluetooth, headphones or speakers or something, or you need to do a little more in-depth management than is available in the control center, this is really nice, quick way to get to that. Uh, the other options for you, by the way, are Wi-Fi, cellular data, and battery, all of which are really nice to quickly switch to. So now we want to get into the rumors for the iPhone 8. Uh, we're expecting that Apple is going to release their 10th anniversary iPhone September 5th or 6th. We're not totally sure, but usually mm -hmm. it's following the Labor Day weekend, we see Apple announcing the next generation iPhone. This year, we've already had a podcast before where we covered all of the different rumors, but so we just want to talk to you mainly about the latest rumors this episode. In a couple of weeks, right before the announcement, we're going to have an episode dedicated to getting into like all of the up-to-date rumors right before the announcement, so definitely check in um, in two weeks to hear that. And just a quick plug for upcoming podcasts. In addition to uh, having one right before the announcement, we go over all the rumors, get you all caught up for the announcement. We're going to have a podcast right after the announcement where we give our instant feedback about everything announced. We'll, we'll get you caught up about everything announced and give you kind of our first take. We'll mm. do the famous David versus Sarah debate uh, <laughs> where we debate these products, whether you should buy them or not, what are the best products, those sort of things. So we like to here give you not just the news, but give you kind of our opinion on all of it because that's really the most important thing is kind of, yes, you're going to know from everywhere that the Apple a uh, new iPhone has come out, but the questions are, should you buy it? Which one should you buy? That sort of thing. So uh, tune in. We'll have all sorts of coverage on our website as well as a new podcast for you uh, with all, all the announcement coverage. And I feel like this year it's going to be an especially difficult decision for people yeah. because uh, what we're hearing is that Apple is going to be releasing three iPhones, the iPhone 7S, 7S Plus, and then the premium iPhone 8 or iPhone X, we're not sure what it will be called. But um, this, you know, as much as all of us are really excited for the 10th anniversary iPhone, it is expected to be at a higher price point. And already the iPhone is a premium product. And it might not be available until later this fall, maybe not even November, because there, you know, there have been leaks that there are production delays. So you might have to wait longer for it and pay a lot more for it. <laughs> 
So, you know, this is all something that things that we're going to be debating um, in this upcoming podcast. But uh, so we wanted to get into a little bit about what the latest rumors are. One we were really excited about last week is that there is likely to be face detection in the iPhone. We've been hearing this for a while, but this rumor seems to be strengthening. And so that would mean there would actually be no touch ID with the iPhone 8 instead. And this would be part of how they're allowing the screen to have a full um, a full edge to edge screen without any buttons on it. And that you actually would be able to uh, unlock your phone without taking your phone off of a surface that it would be able to see your face at an angle instead of having oh, to like hold it up to your face each nice. time. And that they're going to open it up to third-party developers so that if you have apps with sensitive information in there, it can just open up when you know for you only. Um, and it w- what was interesting about this is the leak came about because of HomePod firmware. Yeah, yeah. So it, within the HomePod firmware, there was a reference to, they were calling it Pearl ID, I think. Let me, oh. Yeah, Pearl ID. Um, and that it would allow you to unlock your phone while it's resting on a table or a desk. So I don't know. I'm pretty excited about this. What do you, the only thing is that touch ID is so good now and it mm-hmm. wasn't at first that it's a little bit concerning that it, this phone would not have touch ID, but only face detection. Yeah. I have very mixed feelings. Uh, I think that getting rid of uh, the bezel on the phone, so it's just the screen, is really nice. Yeah. I'm excited. Like every time I see somebody with the new Samsung phone, I'm a little bit jealous. I feel like my iPhone is a little bit inferior, and that's a sad feeling. I know. Uh, and so having edge to edge display is really nice. Um, but I'm a little uh, concerned that they won't pull it off. Uh, FaceTime, face recognition is a software that's been around for a really long time, and I've never seen somebody do it right yet. Um, so I think it really comes down to can they execute, will it actually open your phone? When you say you haven't seen anyone do it right yet, do you mean that you've like tried it out or just from reviews like have you it's i've never years. tried face detection it's been years since i've really tested it but for yeah. I, i've never heard of somebody executing it well you yeah know what i mean it's yeah. not a common technology yeah, that i mean we have. I, had anyone really executed touch id well before no, apple it's did true it? but it took them a while to get it right it did it was still yeah, i was gonna pretty, say it, it I, I never used to use it because it was yeah. annoying enough that i didn't yeah. like to use it. i always use i was like instantly into it really, really? It was, it was, never mind <laughs> i was gonna make a bad joke i didn't Good job. You're welcome, podcast listeners. <laughs> so that's the only rumor, unless there's anything else you want, guys wanted to talk about. But I'm thinking that's the only rumor we'll discuss today, and we'll get back to you guys in two weeks with the full rundown of all everything you can expect from the iPhone 8. I think one last point on that is just I'm, I, I have a feeling one of the things that will be discussed a lot with the facial recognition is privacy concerns. Uh, giving third-party apps the ability to recognize your face is a little concerning. Uh, giving even Apple the ability to recognize your face is concerning. Now, Apple's done a pretty good job up until now of keeping most of this sensitive type stuff in phone as opposed to on a server somewhere that can be hacked yeah, into. Yeah, like with your fingerprint, that's yeah, the case. Yeah, exactly. But fingerprint is one thing, but somebody has to have your fingerprint. But like facial recognition is just a little bit of a creepy technology in general. So it'll be <laughs> interesting to see, A, how Apple pulls it off and be like how they uh, sell the security concern aspect of it. Great. I wasn't worried about that until you brought that up. And now I'm like, I don't want them to have my face. I know. (laughs) Well, I'm someone who tends to just be like, whatever, this is the future. I just should accept it now. Uh, So (laughs) personally, I I feel like the government already has facial recognition technology. Let's just call it what it is. They're already going to be able to recognize my face. So if my phone can as well, that just sounds convenient. But a lot (laughs) of people are concerned. Like uh, same thing with Amazon Echo and HomePod and all that as well. Yeah. All right. Well, so another rumor that Sarah's been really keeping an eye on is the Apple Watch. Um, I'm pretty sure it seems like you really want a Series 3 Apple Watch. I do. (laughs) Um, I mean, actually, I kind of want there to be a Series 3 Apple Watch so the Series 2 will drop in price. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The only thing that would make me get a Series 3 versus a Series 2 is um, is if... uh, there, there's a rumor uh, that there will be an LTE chip in the mm-hmm. app if they uh, announce an Apple Watch Series 3, which means 
you could use it independently. You'd have to get your own cell plan for that, probably. And also, it, it will have an embedded SIM card, which means if you switch carriers, you can't take your watch with you, oh. which I'm really oh. against. But the one thing that excites me about this is that LTE chips take a lot of battery, and the Apple Watch's battery is not great. Mm-hmm. But if they improve the battery life enough that an LTE chip becomes practical, I'm hoping that kind of like iPads, you'll have cellular and non-cellular options. I can take advantage of that awesome new battery <laughs> life, get the non-cellular one because I really don't care. And um, because to, the, to be honest, like I'm still using the original Apple Watch and I love it. I'm in the process of testing a whole bunch of different fitness trackers for an article that will come out in a couple months. And honestly, all it has made me do is feel like the Apple Watch is the best i mean just even for fitness tracking like a lot of them are now adding notifications they're nowhere as close to sophisticated and helpful as the apple watch notifications Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just the only thing the apple watch really doesn't have is sleep tracking Um, there are some rumors that the next apple watch could have that but that would also require some serious battery life so Mm -hmm. the thing that i'm most excited about is all these rumors would require much better battery life yeah Mm. i well I kind of agree with you. I am excited for the Series 3, partly because I kind of held out on the Series 2. It didn't feel like an upgrade enough. Really? But like, you could swim in it? Yeah. I didn't care that much. <laughs> I care. Uh, but like, my, I feel like the Series 1, the processor is pretty slow, and it's kind of prevented me from using yeah. third-party apps. I know. I'd never use third-party apps. And so if they got the processor fast enough where it like... Even things like checking the weather, it can do the little spinny wheel, and it drives me crazy. So yeah, I'd be, I do not have that problem. Really? Yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, sorry, go ahead. Dan. Oh, so I'm excited about that. I personally don't care about LTE. I don't ever use my Apple Watch when I don't have my phone. Or if I do, I don't need to be able to like make a phone call. Yeah, what I wanted to ask you, Sarah, is first of all, like, how likely do you think it is that we'll get an Apple Watch with a cellular connection when would we be seeing that if we did? And then also, like, why? Why would we need that? Um, well, the rumors are that this would be released in late 2017 or early 2018. So there's no chance likely that we'll see that at the September announcement? Um, it's expected to be announced. Mm. But um, I don't know when the pre-orders will begin or when you can actually get it. I'm assuming they'll want it at least available for pre-order in time for the holiday season. Right. Um but, oh, geez, my brain is not working. But um, as far as, what was your oh, question? Sorry, how likely <laughs> brain do you just think? Left. I just asked you, like, three questions. So um, how likely do you think it is that we'll be getting a Series 3 Apple Watch this fall? Um, I was kind of skeptical about it, and I'm not totally sure. I'm wondering if we'll just see a Series 2 that has the LTE chip. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, um, like I said, you can't have an LTE chip without much better battery. And so, you know, even if, like they call, I mean, like there really haven't been huge upgrades between the different watches. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if we got some more, a faster processor, we got uh, a GPS, which is exciting and like waterproof or at least swim proof. But, you know, so it's not like we've had huge updates and there are rumors of a new form factor but there's zero details behind it so I'm skeptical of that too mm-hmm. and I hope they don't because honestly the other common form factors I've been testing out in the fitness trackers actually hurt my wrist really and I never have that problem with Apple Watch um, yeah. so I don't know uh, but I'm excited about if like watch OS 4 is so cool but it's not really going to matter without the battery life, and I'm just all about the battery life. That's the only mm-hmm. thing that's going to... I mean, like, the watch, the original Apple Watch, is still working so well for me that I don't see why I should spend, like, $350 to yeah. upgrade unless the battery life is so much better. It's a little bit like the iPad, where Apple got it right from the beginning, and so I love my Apple Watch, and but therefore I'm not motivated to buy a new one necessarily unless it's a really big leap forward. I know. For me, what I'm curious about this cellular iPad, um, I mean, cellular Apple Watch, is that 
it, it does seem like it would give more opportunity to use your Apple Watch as a standalone device. Oh, right. That's um, what you're asking. About. Although I don't really see... I still don't see it replacing the need for an iPhone. Yeah. I mean, do you ever make phone calls from your Apple Watch? No, but some of that is it's just I don't think to... Like, you know, when you can only do something in a limited circumstance... With a device, then you're less likely just to even like default to doing that. Right. So I do, you know, I do think there's a possibility if it was really easy to do that at any time, I might use that function more often. Right. Because it's not like it doesn't work, you know, when it is within Bluetooth distance yeah. of your iPhone, it works pretty well and the speaker is sufficient to do it. I do feel like uh, there are times when I feel too connected to my phone. I feel kind of addicted to my phone. And we you know we've been talking about doing uh, an article and probably we'll do it a podcast along with it where we go a week without our phone. Yeah, that's that's gonna be interesting. Which will be interesting. And I don't think that'll be a permanent lifestyle decision for me, you know. I, I'm I'm not done with this. When did we decide to do that? Uh, you, it's, were out, it's you were out that week. Uh, Sarah, I mean not, not Sarah, David, Rayan and I are gonna okay, do it. Okay, okay. And, and yeah. then whoever else who wants to. Because I'm just saying you guys live in the same town as your significant others, and I do not. And so you're just saying that I'm gonna go a week without talking. Well, we talked about being able to like send texts from your iPad or computer or things like that. The the we'll figure that out. Here's yeah. my point, though. <laughs> it's not going to be a mandatory office activity. No, but some of us are doing it. I right, mean, clearly, given I'm already we, like so upset about it. Yeah, <laughs> we spend all day working with our iPhones, writing about it. So clearly, we won't ban iPhones from the office. Uh, but I could see myself if I had LTE on my Apple Watch. Doing that more regularly, having it be a nice middle ground where if I go out for an evening, I can leave my phone at home, still be able to get text messages and have limited interaction, but not have the full like addictive force of my iPhone in my pocket. You know what you I know, mean? I yeah. find that my Apple Watch enables my iPhone addiction. Because, oh, really? Like, I'm actually, I haven't worn my Apple Watch for like a week I, uh, for a number of reasons. And, um, you know, it's easy to, like, you put your phone down and there's nothing to, like, let you know, hey, a text message came in on your phone when you're, like, downstairs and your phone's upstairs. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, I'm spending a lot less time on my phone. Oh, interesting. See, I have the reverse experience where if I don't have my Apple Watch on, I will check my phone to see if I got any notifications and then I will then open it up and check my email or check Facebook or just be on my phone more. Whereas if I have my Apple Watch on, if a notification comes in, I see it, and therefore I'm more likely to keep my phone in my pocket or on the other side of the room. See, when I get a notification, <laughs> that usually requires me to pick my phone up and unlock it and like look at the text message or whatever. Well, as you can see, we're all excited about that. Yes. Watch. Clearly, um, we're going to have yeah. to have a debate about that as well. But, but I, I think we should move along with the, mm-hmm. with the episode. Uh, so we may be seeing an Apple Watch this fall. It's not totally clear. It may have cellular capabilities, which could make it more more of an appealing device to make calls on um but you know as you can see not all of us are 100% excited about that feature necessarily anyway if it doesn't mean we get a better battery life which is really the most practical update all of us would like to see yes um uh face face recognition looks like it's coming to the iPhone 8 um i think that that's going to be a pretty cool update but you know there are concerns with that as well so moving, we actually have another sponsor for this episode that we want to tell you guys about, and that's Patchworks. Uh, we have a sample here. If you're watching the video version of the podcast, mm-hmm. you can go to iphonelife.com podcast to view that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we want to tell you about our sponsor, Patchworks. So Patchworks is a really fun company because they have a really wide range of products. They're all affordable and they're all well, very well manufactured. What we have here today, I actually have two of them, but... The one I want to talk to you most about is this little guy right here. Uh, if you're watching, you can see what I'm holding up. If not, I will describe it to you now. Uh, so basically, this product uh, attaches to your dashboard on on your car, and then they have a little magnetic uh, chip, let's call it, plate, magnetic plate, yes. that you can attach to your phone. If you don't want to attach it to your phone, you can attach it to a case. Uh, and you can even, I can even put it on the inside of a case. Thank you. And so what I'm holding up now for those people who are watching is the one of Patchworks's cases. What I love about their cases, they're very affordable, they're, they're well manufactured, and they're just really sleek, simple cases. Uh, I don't like having a lot of 
fancy stuff on my cases, unlike some people here. Um, <laughs> do not even think about dissing the pop I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying we have a different style when it comes to iPhone cases. Do you want to hold yours up so people can see how awesome it is? That's very awesome. There's lots of glitter for those listening. There's lots of glitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what you can do here, you put the little magnetic plate uh, behind the case. You stick your phone in. Uh, I'm going to do this very sloppily. Sorry, guys. And then it can attach to your uh, dock, which is attached to your uh, car. And what's nice is you can it, it swivels, so you can have full range to have it in landscape portrait mode. It's really easy to dock or undock. It just snaps on and off. Uh, and so really great. And it's I think it's $12.99. Yeah, I saw it was on sale right now really for $12.99. Really affordable. Uh, all their products affordable. And I saw, too, they have a version that connects to your air vent and a version that connects to your dashboard. Yes, so, exactly. So depending on which you prefer, it's, which is nice. What I love about our sponsorship program is what we've, if you guys haven't been kind of caught up on this, instead of having a million different advertisers, we just have 10 and we can pick our favorite people to advertise for you guys and it's so much fun to tell you about it this is another one where it's both these products on the table right here are just no-brainers everybody should buy them uh so this is one uh we'll link to it at iphonelife.com slash podcast or you can go to i think it's us.patchworks.com it's uh, patchworks.us there we go next up we want to tell you about our complaints and learning of the week uh i, I could get started with that if you guys yeah if you guys want um, so with iOS 11, there's a new feature for your iPhone that's called Emergency SOS. And this feature, it lets you press your sleep-wake button five times and then call an emergency responder by doing that. Um, and it's, you can set it up in your settings. This is something that I was nervous to try out because I figured if I pressed that button five times, I would just automatically call 911, mm -hmm. which, you know, first of all, I'm like, that's a little, I could do that by accident and mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. Um, but there is a setting in your settings where you can choose whether to have that prompt call 911 automatically or that you still verify it after pressing the, the button five times. So I switched that. Um, so that now when I press the sleep-wake button five times, I get a screen that says emergency SOS or the option to turn off my phone or to go to my medical ID. And I think that this was this is kind of a nice, useful feature so that you're not going to by accident call 911. It does add a small extra step if you're in an emergency situation. So there is a trade-off between those settings. I mean, you could always um, say, hey, Siri, call. And I'm not going to say it because uh, I just activated yeah. Siri. <laughs> Which uh, yeah, but you may need to be like quiet in a situation. You know? Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was nice. And it was nice that there's now one way to either call 911 or get to your medical ID because mm. I thought that makes sense for, you know, if there's an emergency situation, if people, if that becomes a default for people to press this button five times to get to whatever it is they need to, whether it's vital health information for you or to call 911. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was, I think that Apple is doing a good job with iOS 11 of adding some safety features um, that as well as do not disturb while driving, which is a feature now that helps you to not use your phone while driving, although you can override it. Um, so, yeah, that was my learning. Uh, bef before we segue, because I think that that was a nice segue and I'm going to mm -hmm. ruin it. Sorry, guys. But I have mixed feelings about all of these contact emergency services for what you're saying, which is that sometimes in the most important times, you want to be co covert. Like, that's the reason why you don't just pick up your phone and dial 911 is if there's a crisis that you want to covertly uh, contact these people, emergency services, this is a great way to do it, except that it on my Apple Watch, it makes a loud noise. Uh, here, if you have to verify it, that's really tricky. Well, you don't have to. That's yeah. a, It is an optional setting. But, but there is I mean, this back and forth where my Apple Watch, I have come really close to accidentally dialing 911. I can see how you could accidentally do it here. So there's this trade-off of do you make it easy to do it in the unlikely situation that you need to do this secretly? Or do you protect yourself against accidentally dialing emergency services when you don't yeah. want to? I feel like it's far more likely that you'd be in a situation where you couldn't fully use your phone, like you were injured or fallen, but you were able to press that button a few times. Um, I don't know, I just, how often do you find yourself hiding and like? I don't, <laughs> but there's some like really 
horror stories online and you know there's situations <laughs> which nobody wants to be in nobody plans on being in but sometimes you get in them you yeah. know and those are the situations where you really want to call emergency services and you really don't want an alarm to go off and so i agree it's like it's unlikely to happen uh, I don't, don't understand why Apple Watch has the has no sound that goes off. That's I, bizarre. Well, it's bizarre until you're sitting there and you accidentally hold the button down too long and you're about um, to call 911 and they're like, hey, don't do that. Yeah, so for the iPhone, at least they don't have that. Yeah. And it's just, to verify, it's just swiping right on call. Okay, so you could still do it. Yeah, you can still do it silently, yeah. which is nice. Okay. Uh, what are you guys' complaints and learning for the week? Um, I decided to try the uh, Do Not Disturb While Driving feature, but I also wanted to change the music on my phone, and so I was like, cool, I'm going to do all hands-free with Siri, and it wouldn't let me use Siri. And really? I don't, like, I haven't gone back and played with the settings and tried to make it work, but I found it very distracting to try to do something hands-free with my phone and have it not happen, and so I haven't used Do Not Disturb While Driving since then. And I'm clearly going to have to go and like figure it out and like figure out how to learn it and use it well before I attempt to drive with it again. Hmm. But that was really aggravating to be forced to sit through songs I didn't want to listen to because mm. it was like, nope. Yeah, that's really Yeah, annoying. that's weird. Hey Siri also doesn't work on CarPlay, which I think is the dumbest thing. It's like when you're on CarPlay, they make you go find the button and what? hold it down. Yeah, that can be my complaint in Learning of the Week, actually. It drives me crazy. It's like, crazy, why yeah. do you not have Hey Siri work? It's the most logical time to be hands-free. Is that, um, you know, you have a, the Pioneer CarPlay system. Do you think some CarPlay systems have that? My understanding is they don't. Now, I've huh. heard that, like, the updated version of CarPlay either is going to have it or will have it. Uh, I don't know. But as of right now, I'm pretty sure it's just not available for anyone. That's so strange. It's really annoying. What about, do you have a complaining? I, I, that'll be my complaint. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's get, we have some gear to talk to you guys about for back to school. Um, so really, we wanted to focus on cases for your iPhone uh, for students. And also, just if there are any deals that Apple is offering for students who are going back to school. I have a back to school one too, by the way. Oh, okay, oh. awesome. So really, the only deal that Apple is offering is uh, if you buy a new MacBook or Mac uh, t for school, if you're a student, you can get a free pair of Beats headphones, which for a long time, we've been sort of snarky about Beats headphones because they're, you know, they're really expensive, they're high end, and we think there are better ones out there. But our feature writer, Connor, has a pair of Beats headphones. I've also used them recently in the Apple store, and Beats are, they're pretty they're pretty awesome. Their and, battery life is crazy good. Yeah, they have a like 40-hour battery. Um, they're definitely like a lightweight plastic build. That's part of what makes them not that premium, but the sound's good. Um, so if you get a MacBook or a Mac, you get three hundred. You get a $300 pair of uh, Beats headphones. That's the Solo 3s, I think, are $300. Mm -hmm. They have an option of a few of them, actually, that you can get. Right, and the it can go up to $300. Yeah. If you get an iPad, you get an $150 pair of, of uh, Beats headphones or $150 towards your Beats headphones because there are some lower-end ones that are in that range, $150 range. So... You know, I mean, still you're going to be sp dropping a lot of money if you buy either of those items, and there's not really a deal to get a cheaper MacBook, but, but you know, it is nice to have those headphones thrown my, in. Yeah. My daughter took advantage of this deal last year when she bought her computer for college, and her Beats headphones started to come apart recently, mm. and Apple's fixing them for free because it was within nice. the one-year warranty, so that's... Oh, I mean, that Apple's is nice. very good about that sort of thing. My understanding, too, is the Beats headphones now all have the, like, I think it's the A1 chip or uh, some type of chip. Yeah, it's W something. Some yeah. chip in it. <laughs> A1 Look is at us, the, the it's a sauce. Uh, <laughs> so that it pairs with your iPhone much easier than typical with Bluetooth, which yeah, is nice. Yeah, Connor's loved that. Yeah, Connor loves them. Uh, my understanding is that they really do not have as good sound quality as uh, other headphones in that price range. Just as a disclaimer, the sound quality is still good because they are expensive headphones and they're not mm -hmm. terrible sound quality. And if you're upgrading from a cheaper pair of headphones, you'll like it. But relative to say, because I'm, I'm actually writing my headphone roundup right now. Right. Relative to like the Sennheiser Momentums, uh, other things in that price range, they're just not as good. 
Yeah, for someone, like, I definitely don't have, uh, I'm not an audiophile, but listening to them, I actually did think the sound was good, was, like, really? was really okay. good, but I didn't do a side-by-side comparison with Sennheiser, and usually when you do those side-by-side comparisons, some of those differences really do start coming out. Yeah, well, in my understanding is they have a very bass-heavy balance, which can, if you listen to yeah. bass-heavy music, and it makes sense, they're beats by Dre, I mean, Dre is yeah. hip-hop, uh, you may enjoy them more than a headphone that might be, you know, from an audiophile perspective, really nice, but may not be more, maybe a more balanced sound that doesn't yeah. necessarily sound as good for hip-hop and things like that. Yeah, that's such a good point, because with certain speakers and headphones, you'll listen to one song, and you'll be like, this is clearly the superior speaker. Yeah. And then you listen to a different song and it's a different yeah. one shines. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Sarah, what, tell us about some protective cases that students can buy. Um, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I kind of really don't like the idea of buying a new phone for my kids and have pretty much told them that their phones have to last two years or they will be using a flip phone. So, <laughs> um, But, of course, a really good case is a, a very important part of that. And also, uh, while the 7 and 7 Plus are water resistant, so if your child drops them in a puddle, which has happened with my kids, um, you know. And me, I've dropped my phone in puddles. <laughs> so, yeah, it, the phone will be okay. But the truth is, a lot of us get ourselves the new phones because we're paying for it and hand down our older ones to our kids. So you will want to get them a protective case and probably one that will protect it from water. Um, one that I really like is the Life Proof Free mm-hmm. um, because it's actually, it's not super bulky. I think it looks really nice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is protective and it is will protect the phone from water as well. Um, Otterbox makes some really good ones. I don't know if they're really like as, they're like much more rugged looking. So the reason I'm not getting too specific about what model or brand you should buy is because kids generally, especially older kids, will have really strong opinions about what their case looks like. And if you want them to use it, they should like the case. Yeah. So what you need to look for is a case that has a lip, you know, Mm -hmm. that extends above the screen of the phone and, and has a little bit of reinforcement around the edges, like around the bumper of the case. Um, and you'll also want to consider if you don't get a case that has some kind of screen protection, you might want to, or it's slightly less protective, you might want to consider investing in a glass screen protector. Bodyguards makes a really good one. Mm. Um, Zag's pretty good. Uh, so, uh, Qmatics, actually one of our sponsors makes a sort of a like liquid glass and, and Patchworks, yes. Yeah. Kematics has a liquid glass one, which is really interesting. Patchworks also has a really wide right. range. So, so there's a lot, a lot of lot great of yeah. uh, screen protectors that you can find out there. And so just find a good combination. Um, personally, I think the case is more important than the screen protector, as long as, especially with the curved edges of the 7. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll want to just make sure to get a really good protective case and kind of drill into your kid, you must keep this on. And also, of course, this applies for iPads as well. Younger kids tend to get iPads um, when their parents buy them devices. So, you know, you'll want to get one that, like, especially, like, younger kids that can really handle being dropped. Mm -hmm. Um, Often they'll be rated in terms of, like, for drop testing, like, this can be dropped from, like, 10 feet and it will protect your device. So... Um, when you're looking for a case for a device for your child, I highly recommend checking out their dust and water resistance ratings and their drop protection. Mm-hmm. Otterbox seems to have some really sturdy looking iPad cases, yeah. I've noticed. It's like military grade cases. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Whenever I see parents with young children, their phone will like be double in size because of the, how yeah, big their case is. Like I saw this guy holding a phone to his ear and it was like, it was covered in this like green case that was just this like big puffy mush thing that made his phone like three times the size as usual. <laughs> but which you know you do not need to do that, as Sarah was saying. If you have the lip well, maybe on the, the bumper, <laughs> yeah, and if you have if it's draw, you know, OtterBox is a little bulkier for their most protective cases, but it's still not going to be. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make it huge. (laughs) I will say, though, just to echo what Sarah said, I've learned this lesson. I I typically only have a screen protector on, 
but because the the edge of the iPhone screen is curved, if it hits that corner, you can still break the glass. It, yeah, it's shatter. happened to these two. It's happened to me too. So yeah, it, it's important to have a case and a glass screen protector. One rumor that I'm not excited about for the iPhone 8 is that I've read some rumors that they might go back to a glass pack. I really I know. hope they and it's don't. It's like, why are you doing this to us, Apple? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I have a, one more recommendation Great. Uh, before we move on. Uh, for back to school, something you're going to need is a messenger bag or a backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is unfortunately expensive, so maybe a college student or just buy this for yourself if you're listening and not of student age. <laughs> uh, it's Waterfield bag. It's a messenger bag. It's called the Maverick. Uh, it's leather. It's made in the U.S., um, has room for our, it has a perfect slot for the MacBook or MacBook Pro, uh, 15 inch. Uh, you can get a compact one for the 12 or 13 inch. Has a slot for your iPad and uh, a slot for your iPhone. It's really nice. Uh, it looks beautiful. It's this weathered leather. They're really high quality. It's about $300, so it's on mm-hmm. the high end. Uh, but it's, I've loved it. It's just such a beautiful bag. I do think if you also, if you have an iPad pro, we recently got one for the office. You really do need a good carrying bag for it. Cause now it's got different pieces. If you've got the, um, the case, the keyboard that comes with it. And then you've got your Apple pencil. Mm-hmm. You really want something nice to carry it around in. That's also not going to let it get scratched or, you know, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say there was one other case maker. We gave them an award at CES. Um, Uh Uh-oh, are you expecting me to remember it? (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm looking at you. A case maker that we gave an award to. That is a broad category, (laughs) sir. I really like them. This is by Velvet Caviar, this case, and it's very pretty but also protective. Not as protective as, say, the ones we were mentioning specifically, but I've dropped my phone a number of times just today, and it's still alive. Um, So... Uh, I might link to it, uh, like, for, like, older kids, I might link to... Is it Incipio? I know we gave them one for their cases, and we like their cases. Yeah, I will, I'll link to some <laughs> of our other case makers, too, so We that can link to can... our CES awards. There we go. Right, yeah. and also, um, I have a, I found a couple of roundups that I'm planning to put in the podcast post at iphonelife.com slash podcast, so if you want more specifics about case options to check out, you can find them there. And I think yeah. this is a good opportunity for our question of the day, which is what gear do you love for back to school? Send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com. Great. Yeah. So thanks guys for joining us. We know it's been a jam packed episode with between <laughs> the iPhone 8 announcement rumors and all of our back to school recommendations. So this is one you really do want to check out our blog post for all of these rec- for you know, to find out more about the rumors and also to get more specific recommendations if you're looking for gear for back to school. So uh, check out iphonelife.com slash podcast and we'll see you in a couple weeks to cover in depth all of the iPhone 8 rumors so you're sure to go into the September announcement knowing the most likely what you can expect. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Thanks. everybody.